Hey guys, it's Pete, and you're listening to Stuff You Don't Need to Know, another great production of Running Up the Score with myself and my partner in sports crime, Tom. Tom, are you there? Hey, good evening. How are you, Pete? <laughs> good. How are you, buddy? Good. Uh, happy birthday to your uh, lovely daughter. Uh, I am in for so much trouble. If, if she's like this at age nine, then I might as well just, you know, go and find a mountain to go live on by the time she's 12 well you know i have a 16 year old so 16 going on 35 so good luck with that yeah. <laughs> so today tom and i are talking sports topics of the week so what's going on in sports this week uh, i know last week we talked uh, i guess uh, it was a week now we talked uh, hall of fame we talk a lot of baseball obviously on this show because uh, that's the one sport that uh, i really do know a lot about um, I know we're going to talk darts sometime today, right, Tom? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, um, so we talked Hall of Fame. We gave you our top five. What was our top five again? Uh, let's see. The first week it was the top five Hall of Famers that aren't in the Hall of Fame. Last week was the top five people that you would rather staple your eyelids than actually root for. All right. So we have a musical top five for you this evening. Uh, but let's get to the sports first. And I know that this topic is Tom's favorite his his boy who he's been waiting for to break out uh since he's joined the team mr des bryant has been released by the cowboys and now he's making it his mission to be on one of the teams in the afc in the nfc east so that he can play the cowboys twice a year to burn them so what are your thoughts on your buddy des bryant well honestly i can't wait to see him drop passes against the cowboys instead of for the cowboys um, you know, Des, if you look at his statistics over, you know, up until 2014, he was, you know, he really went through about a three or four year period there where he was definitely, he was a physical receiver. He was a tall receiver. He would go and get passes, you know, just to look here in 2011, he was just short of a thousand yards. 2012, 1,300, then 1,200, then 1,300, and then in 2015, he just literally uh, fell off the map. He started having some foot issues, head issues, um, and and honestly, I don't think he's an elite quarterback anymore. I don't think he – I think the Cowboys made it smart. Well, it's a good thing he's not a quarterback. He's definitely a wide receiver. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you think about your other uh, has been Dak, Dak Prescott, right? <laughs> well, you know, listen, Des is not an elite quarterback either. Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't think he's ever said that, though, which is good. At least he didn't do that. <laughs> uh, do you know that uh, Des Bryant, in, in just kidding about that, in 113 career games, he does have one completion. Oh, wow. Who did he yep. pass it to? Uh, for 10 yards and a touchdown, I have no idea who you thought. Uh, okay, yeah, well, most of these Cowboys, who haven't, I mean, these Cowboys, they're not even like a really popular football team anyway, right? <laughs> no. No, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so like in 2015, wasn't he hurt a lot? Yeah, he only played nine games in 2013. Again, I think that was, uh, he had foot issues, if I remember right. Did he play uh, all, did he play all last year? We had a, he was out too last year, wasn't he? No, he played 16 games in 2017. He just didn't show up to any of the games. <laughs> That's right. I mean, and that is kind of the problem with Dez, in my opinion. The problem with Dez was 
He played when he wanted to play. When you put him up, let's say, you know, I think of people that you would consider to be elite wide receivers. So, um, you know, who, who comes to mind? You have... Uh, when I think wide receiver, I think right off the top of my head, Jerry Rice. He's nowhere near Jerry Rice. Okay. All right. But I'm even <laughs> talking now. You know, uh, guy now. I'd say, you know, honestly, I think him and Odell Beckham are very close to each other. And they're really like, I think they're the same person, just different uniforms. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, they're both, again, between the lines, if they're out there, you know, they could be scary. Uh, but off, if you get on the sideline, that's when all hell breaks loose. Right. You know? Well, and I, I think, though, that Dez basically would run a, a go pattern, you know, and if you could hit him on the sideline, awesome. If you didn't, it was an incomplete pass. It did not seem like there was a lot of variation to Dez's game. He did not use his physicality, I don't think. Um, he didn't fight to get open. There were guys, uh, I think of Bryant for uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, he, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. He's open 72 times a game. Yeah. And he'll catch anything that comes his way. I mean, he just seems like the kind of guy that you double cover him, it doesn't matter. He still finds a way to get open and get the ball. Do you think it's because, I mean, with uh, you're talking about Mar- Martell's Bryant, right? Yeah. Do you think because he has uh, Antonio Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown on the team that it makes a difference? Because I don't think Dez really had that complement receiver in his first few years. Now, he did have a, a good quarterback. I mean, t- listen, Tony Romo, as much as people like like to beat him down, he wasn't – I would say he's elite, but I'd say he's a, he was a, you know above average, probably really good quarterback, uh, even though, he again, he had a lot of injury problems as well. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny you, you mentioned Antonio Brown because he's another one that I, that jumped right to my mind as it doesn't matter how you cover him. Antonio Brown gets his 12 catches. Yeah. And um, I, I was thinking Julio Jones, another one that just seems to find a way to get open and get to the ball. Yeah. <laughs> there are those guys. Dez is supposed to be one of those guys. And he's not. He, he he hasn't been for the last three years. And sometimes you look at the guy and he's jogging down the sidelines and you go, you know, is he taking plays off? Is he, you know, why is he not using his physicality to, to do damage? And then there were so many times, and I remember there was one game and I could not recite to you who this was, but I remember there are so many games where Dez would go to the sideline and, of course, it was the piss and moan show where he would have to start yapping about not getting the ball, nobody's throwing in the ball. In the next series, he would get a pass and drop it. Yeah. And I'd be screaming at the TV going, yeah, you wanted the ball. Yeah, exactly. You, you and your huge salary just moaned about not getting the ball, and he just threw it to you, and you know that could have been 20 or 30 yards, and oops, I missed it. I think he's a, uh, you know, ever since that pass, that catch that wasn't a catch, that's where he kind of started going downhill. Um, but, you know, he I think if he's on the right team with the right coach, uh, he may be better. But, you know, again, you know, like Randy Moss, he was a problem child for a long time. And then he went to New England and he got better. 
you know, I think it's the right coach, the right place. Um, again, you know, unlike like the other sports where, you know, New York, Chicago, L.A., the, the teams are that's where all the big teams are and the big spotlights on Texas, Dallas is, you know, Jerry's world. I mean, that that is one of the elite programs in NFL history. And um, I think he, it's probably better that he goes from there. I mean, I just think he's been a distraction ever since he really got on the field. Um, but, yeah, he's got – he can't bitch that you're not getting a, the ball and then you drop the one when it comes to you. You know, yeah. that, that's the Michael Crabtree thinking too. Michael Crabtree was on the Raiders last year. He took plays off. He took many plays off. Um, you want to be a great receiver in this game. And like I said, Des Bryant has that ability. You have to be like – Julio Jones, who doesn't take a playoff, you know, he's like 65 years old and he's still getting the catches. Right. So even Antonio Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown, who has, who was a major head case. Um, but when he's on that field, you know, he's, he's going boom to boom. I think, you know, I'll tell you, honestly, I think Terrell, I thought does, does Bryant was going to be like Terrell Owens. Uh, but Owens is such a better receiver than he is. That's that's an unfortunate statement, isn't it? Yeah, because you know Owens has been you know he's had his troubles, but I mean, listen, the guy played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg, right? Uh, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So, anything else on Dez? No, I think we pretty much covered that. Good riddance, Des. Um, Peace out. I, I personally, I'm not afraid if he goes to the Giants or anybody else. It would be intriguing to see him and like Beckham on either side. Something like that might help Des to to take some of the double teaming and the heat off of him. But honestly, I don't even think teams need to double team. Nah, Des. Just, he just stinks all by himself. If he had, if Eli had both of those guys, he'd probably want to like you know retire now. Hey, <laughs> get let let Josh Allen take over for me. I'm a uh, I'm tapping out. Yeah. <laughs> so staying on the football, the, the football idea here. Um, this week, so as we know, Monday Night Football is making a change. Uh, the great John Gruden, and I say the great John Gruden, is coming back home to the Oakland Raiders. Talk about all-time franchises in football. So now they're trying to fill the void. And you know, when you think John Gruden in the booth, I think John Madden, uh, Pat Summerall. Um, Al Michaels, these guys, you know, they're giants in this industry. Again, Gruden had a career as a, co a coach, a career as a as a announcer. Now he's coming back and he's going to do it all over again, which I really hope happens. Um, so they're trying to fill the void now for that for that one spot. Now I don't know who's going to be the 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 play by play. I don't know if it's still going to be uh, Sean McDonough. Is that who it was? Is that his name? <laughs> I want to say I was here. that's his name, uh, but the color the color guy, um, the color or analyst, whatever they want to call it now. I come from the old school where they call it the the color the color the color analyst and the uh, the play by play. Well, anyway, Brett Favre apparently tried out for the the position and failed miserably. Do you think he'd actually be a decent uh, announcer? No, no. Why not? Were you looking for more than that, or can I just say no? I, no, no, we need uh, a little bit more than that. This is a show. we got to, like, you know, fill some time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not talking to a Brett Favre fan here. Favre. Uh, 
farm rock. Um, and I used to be, I used to be a Brett Favre fan. I used to like watching him. I mean, some of the things that he would do, especially on Monday night football, were just superhuman. And the guy just played on guts and there's no, there's no denying that. But when he did his four retirements, begged me to come back routine a couple of different times that that kind of wore me out on him and, and it showed me that he was he was about Brett Favre I remember there was a year where he held out to the last second with the Packers before he would even let them know what he wanted to do whether he was going to play the next year or not or want to go somewhere else or whatever and he basically held the Packers hostage and I don't think that a team player does that. And I just don't think Brett Favre, and I know this is earth-shattering to say, I think Brett Favre is about Brett Favre more than he was about the teams he would play with. Oh, John Madden loved him. Brett Favre, Brett Favre. Yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic player. And he would go out there, and there's no question that he would go out there and spill his guts on the field. That's that's not what I'm talking about. But I just think his his behavior towards the end where, you know, he had he had people flying down to, you know, whatever that place in, what, Mississippi that he lived in. Yeah. Um, He's a good old which, country boy. Which I thought there were only shacks in Mississippi and outhouses. I didn't realize <laughs> that there was actually, you know, a place for Brett Favre to live. Hey, but, we have a lot of great listeners out in Mississippi. Oh, so, okay. At Sorry. least one. No. <laughs> uh, but the way, you know, uh, we went down and we begged Brett Favre to come back for another year. Uh, right, so so I, I think I, I don't know that Brett Favre. As I've never really heard him talk, though. Have you ever heard him? Like, well, I hear him on the you know, jeans commercial. I don't know if he's um, the material that they would need for Monday Night Football. I would say like he would be, um, you know, start him on a Sunday. Now, listen, I thought going into last year and Tony Romo becoming an announcer, I thought it was going to be, oh boy, another poop show. But he's turning out to be, you know, a really good announcer. I mean, I'm not saying he's Troy Aikman, either on the field or off the field, but he's definitely can hold his own. I think him and Jim Nance do a great job. Uh, so, um, you know, you never know what these guys would do. Like, just like what I was, my dream or my thought would be Peyton Manning would be perfect for this position, but he has no interest. I mean, Peyton Manning right. is funny. He knows the game, obviously. He's, I mean, he's been to like 25 Super Bowls, only won two of them. But um, you would think that he, you know, he'd, he'd be the perfect slot. And that's the kind of name you want for Monday Night Football. And that's why I kind of understand they went for Brett Favre. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, – because they have a lot of issues trying to figure out this Monday Night Football thing. I mean, right now they have candidates like Booger McFarlane. I don't know if you know him. He's from ESPN. Yes. Uh, yes. And Ryan, uh, Rex Ryan, which I think, honestly, I think Rex Ryan wasn't horrible on the um, the ESPN show in the morning. But uh, I'm not sure if I can take him on a Monday night or not. No, I don't think so. so you know, were and, you surprised that Gruden was as good as what he was? I thought I, I when I uh, honestly uh, I thought he was definitely a character so I thought he'd be good I w I didn't think he was going to be John Madden good now Gruden 
would not say anything bad about anybody on on air, right? He, that's my boy. This is my guy. I love this guy. Da 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 da. Um, that stuff kind of annoyed me because I really want my analyst to say, you know, he played horrible or whatever. I mean, not like destroy the guy, but if if it's a bad player, he's not doing the right thing or he's having a bad season. I want that to be, you know, be honest with me. So maybe Gruden did a little too much lovey dovey stuff, but when it came to talking about the game, I thought he was excellent. No, I, I, no question. Now, what you were saying though is that you would—is that the bell that we're done? No, nope. uh, that you support somebody like Chris Collinsworth because I think that's what Chris does. Yeah, I th- see. I don't. I think Chris. I I used to not stand Chris. I couldn't stand Chris uh, Collinsworth for a long time, but. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because I, I love them on – do you remember when HBO did uh, Inside the NFL with Dick Bonacani yes. and Len Dawson and uh, Chris Collinsworth? I thought he was great there. Uh, on the When he was doing games, I wasn't too um, too fond of him. But now I, I really – grow because he is very – he's critical. He is critical of players. He does know the game. Um, it's – you know, I guess – for I'm not a player, so I've never played the game. And Chris Collinsworth was a, a good wide receiver, maybe. Um, so, you know, as a player like uh, Brett Favre being uh, trounced by Chris Collinsworth, I just don't know how that is to, to the players himself. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so besides Booger McFarlane and Rex, uh, Rex Ryan, there was talks that Kurt Herbstreet and Chris Fowler would, uh, they're interested in trying to get them to do Monday Night Football. What do you think of that? That crew. Now, I would, I would miss them too much in college. I, th- I completely agree. I, th- when I think college football and announcing, I again, just like I do with pro, I think Madden, I think Chris Fowler, and I think Curb Hurt Street. Yeah, I would. I, I love those guys. I think they're there's just certain voices that belong in the sport that they're doing, and you hope that they don't go anywhere. I mean. Um, you take well, John Madden when he did football. I mean, you couldn't imagine anybody else doing doing that for that period of time. Um, so I, I think I would miss them too much. You know, the NFL again. I mean, it just continues to become one stepping on its toe after another. The way it seems, yeah. You know, Thursday night football has been horrible for the last couple of years. The matchups have been dogs. Um, nobody's been wanting to see the matchups. Um, and I'll tell you something else. Talking about nobody wanting to see this. I know I'm really jumping topics, but tonight's sort of free for all. So why not? On Sunday, I was flipping around the channels like I would normally do. And there's NASCAR. Not a big follower of NASCAR. I may, if there's nothing else on, I may watch it a little bit, see what's going on. And I think there were about 12 people in the stands at Bristol, Tennessee. And it made me, it made me think about what has really gone wrong with NASCAR. And if there's anyone that listens to us that, that follows NASCAR either a little bit or a lot, um, I think they might, they might relate to this. That we were talking about, you know, baseball, stop tinkering with it, stop, you know, making rule changes and things like that. 
NASCAR is like the epitome of let's just take a snow globe and shake it and turn it upside down and see what happens. And all that's happening is they're driving their fans out in droves. Yeah, it, it, no, I, I got it. I understand. Do you ever watch any NASCAR? Um, only when I'm driving to Baltimore. That's the only NASCAR I get to see. <laughs> now, I honestly, I you know, I've watched some. I mean, again, I'm one of those fans, just like with uh, now the wrestling and everything else. I watch like the big event, and that's and I pretty much clueless of what's going on. <laughs> so, um, it I, I've never been appeal. You know, it's never been really appealing to me, to be honest. Yeah, but NASCAR was really a, a victim of its own success in a way because I know back when Earnhardt was still racing and you had Jeff Gordon and some of those uber-popular guys and the sport just suddenly had had reached this skyrocket point, they were in a hurry to add races, add venues, uh, increase seats everywhere where suddenly, you know, instead of, uh, 40,000 seat venue, they'd add stands and suddenly it became 70,000. And for a while, they would still sell that out. Um, they were getting, even at the time, and you're talking 10, 15 years ago, they're getting 70, 80, 90, 100 bucks per ticket and just packing them in. You could not, when we sat in a couple of the different places that we went to, you were literally cheek to cheek with the people beside you. And fighting for your cheek space, it was it was that close quarters. So, I think what had happened with NASCAR was they they expanded so fast and so hard that there had to be like the stock market; it doesn't go up forever, and there's going to be a time where it's going to ebb and flow. And now they're experiencing this dip where people like Earnhardt Jr. have retired. Uh, Danica Patrick has gone, Matt Kenseth has gone, and they're really sort of in a rebuild, I think. And they're not prepared for that. Now they're staring at, at shiny seats, and every camera angle shows you 10 people and nothing but shiny seats around them. Yeah. Um, so that's another sport that just um, is experiencing so much change, just like baseball, just like football, where it, it's, it's almost interesting to see how all these sports in 15 years are, are going to shake out because some of them cannot continue on the trajectory that they're on without some major overhaul or something happening to them. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, look at, like I said, look at baseball. We had going on to baseball, basically, uh, you know, over the last, so our first two weeks of the regular season has started. Uh, so interesting, uh, Interesting game, uh, interesting team stepping up, somehow having her struggling. But when you talk about trying to change the game, and this is what I didn't like about baseball so far this season, is the uh, the game that was played on Facebook. It was the Phillies and the Mets. The yes. Mets, yeah, I mean that, and it was played on Facebook and blacked out in the local area, which I find appalling. I have to be honest. Um, I think that you know. I know that they think they're gonna. They're trying to get the millennials to come watch baseball, and we've talked about this before. Baseball is an older man's, older woman's game, um, and I just think that this. I just. I think they're going in the wrong direction when it goes to Facebook. Yeah. Oh, I think they're desperate. Yeah. 
I mean, I know. We're, listen, they've gone to streaming just like every other sport. You can watch football. You can watch baseball. You can watch basketball on your computer. You can watch it on your phone. Um, I don't know about you, but I know I can't watch a game on a, a six-inch phone. It's just not possible. Right. You know, and I know this is what these kids do, but, I mean, I think you're doing more damage than good with this. But anyway, so just to – I'm trying to get – I'll get off my soapbox in, in regards to baseball. Uh, what are some good things that you think has come out in the first couple of weeks of the season? I think the great thing that's come out is that Baltimore sucks. <laughs> Language. Stink, I'm sorry. Stinkies. Baltimore is terrible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, unfortunately, they took they have five wins so far this season, and three of them are against the Yanks. So um, it's a little, a little uh, upsetting at this point in time. How long do you think at four? Now they're five and twelve. They lost again today. Yeah, their their pitching staff is is woeful to say the least. Um, you got guys like Chris Davis hitting a buck twenty five, who for some unspeakable reason they bring him back. Um, That's the money. Uh, That's why he's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, they can't afford to get rid of him, so they might as well have him play. Um, but how long does Buck Showalter have a job if they are already nine games out? If they go to 15, 18 games out by the time we're halfway through the season – is Buck Showalter out the door? I have to tell you, I don't think so. I think Buck goes on his own. Um, this might be his last season in general. Um, you know, it's he doesn't have the toys to play with. Now, listen, Bundy's a great pitcher, uh, a great pitcher, but he's a good pitcher. Guzman can, uh, Gosman can pitch when he wants to. Um, they have some. Ta- I mean, Adam Jones is a is a is a great center fielder. He's 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 uh, definitely. Um, steady Eddie, so to speak. Uh, I mean, he puts up 27 and 100 every year. Uh, you have probably one of the best baseball players in the league on your team playing shortstop now, Manny Machado. I think that, you know, I honestly, he's going to be traded sometime between uh, now and the trade deadline. I mean, once they get to like 20 games back, which they will get to 20 games back, I think Machado's gone, but I think Buck stays and finishes the season at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're as bad as Toronto, uh, as bad as Tampa Bay. Uh, it's very close. Uh, the one thing I can say about Baltimore, their fans go to games. I mean, it's never, it's not always full, but there are always people there. I mean, unlike Tampa Bay and and Miami, where it's like you and I can go and we could talk to each other from each side <laughs> of the field. That's uh, right. You know, it's. I don't know. I I don't like the American League East besides my Yankees, but. Um, I give Baltimore fans, they're a little passionate, and I think that, you know, I think they go crazy if they lost Buck Showalter because I think that's the one thing that's really keeping this, you know, keeping them interested, him and Machado. That's interesting. And, and I I like uh, Buck Showalter, by the way. I If I had, uh, you know, my Toronto Blue Jays, if they suddenly needed a coach and they said, oh, Buck Showalter's thinking about going, I'd be happy. I think Buck is a good Manager, I think there's a few knocks on Buck that I personally see. I think he sticks with starting pitchers too long in ball games. Well, he's old school. Uh, I like that. <laughs> he is, I, and I think he's, um, I, I think he's loyal to a fault with the players' feelings while they're out there versus 
kind of making a hard decision and saying, no, I don't care if you don't want to come out. You need to come out. Yeah. Um, so I, I think sometimes that gets him in trouble. Now, I think by halfway through the season, he's going to go to Peter Angelos and say, why don't you please fire me? <laughs> can I can I just take the rest of the year off because I do not want to be on this team anymore. There There has to be nothing more miserable than being – 15 games back, 20 games back at the All-Star break, knowing you have no chance and just grinding out the last three months of the season. I can't imagine the, well, you the know, that if, must be. If Baltimore is smart, I mean, they fire him or let him go, and they'll win the World Series the next year because that seems to happen to Buck. Every time he leaves, they bring someone else in, you know. And again, um, you know, it, it worked in – Worked in Arizona, obviously worked in New York. I mean, fans went crazy when they got rid of Buck Showalter in New York, and they brought this guy Joe Torre. He hasn't won anything, and you know, and for the first year to oh, this is Buck's team. I mean, obviously Joe went on to win four more or three more, so you know it moves on. But I still think, like I said, I think the fans go crazy if they lose Buck. I think they're going to lose him anyway by the end of the season. Um, he was actually very good. Talk about being in the booth, kind of like Gruden. I, he was in the booth for a while, and I thought he did a good good job too. I mean, he is Belichick dry, but he does analyze the game very well. Yeah. All right, so some of the other – okay, so we know Baltimore sucks. We, we get that. Uh, some surprises. Uh, Atani from the, the Angels. I mean, no one thought the Angels would be in first place at this moment in time. At least I didn't think so. Certainly not. I thought this would be a Houston runaway – um, you know, he's exciting. I mean, pitches, he's got like four homers. He's got 5,000 strikeouts. He's the next, uh, Nolan Ryan. I mean, these fans in LA are going crazy for this guy. Um, you think it's a uh, sustainable for him or what? No, of course not. No, no. I, and one thing that I found true to me about baseball is anything that is, anything that is factual after 15 games will flip on its ear by the time halfway through the season is over. Um, you know, guys that are unhittable, people study them, they figure it out. Baseball is a game of adjustments. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it happens during a game where unless you are Justin Verlander or somebody like that, people by the fourth inning and they have their second or third at bat, start to adjust to you. So it happens even within a game. So so, so he's 2-0 and right now, the 2.0 ERA now. He's getting his first probably real test. He's playing against the, the Red Sox tonight. He's pitching against Red Sox tonight, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to come down to earth. I really do. So you don't think uh, Cy Young for him at this point in time? After 15 games now. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, so here's some some other surprises. Um, the Dodgers are six and nine. They've had some uh, really ugly games. They've had a couple decent games. And speaking of Bucks' old team, Arizona, I mean they got a nice they got a three game lead right now, and the Dodgers are five back. So a little surprise in the in that end as well, right? Yeah, uh, and I wonder too how much of some of these teams you have, you know, the poor Cubs who can't play at home because it continues to snow. Um, you have, you know, the Red Sox now, even though they're, you know, 13 and two and they're, they're tremendously hot. Anybody going up there right now has to play in 30 degree weather. 
I'm and I'm not saying that's an excuse for anybody, but you're also seeing some hitters that are just not on the map right now that by July we're going to be talking about because cold weather is sort of a neutralizer. You know, in, in a lot of sports, weather can be a neutralizer. In football, if you have mud and torrential downpours, throw out everything you know about both those teams because it just becomes a mud game. I think in baseball, the super cold, inclement weather kind of, fooled you it makes everybody kind of on the same level playing field everybody's stinging their hands and and playing like dirt but by the time things warm up and you get another month under your belt everything that we know right now won't won't really exist all right so right now we have the the red Sox are in first place minnesota la houston is three and a half back behind la now if they fell 65 games back i wouldn't care uh <laughs> The Mets are in first place here, and they're leading Washington. I mean, Washington, the American League, the National League East is probably one of the better divisions right now. And I mean, you have three teams over 500, one team very close to 500, and then the Marlins. Uh, so, I mean, the Mets are in first. Atlanta and Philly are both have nine wins already. I thought they'd have nine wins combined by the end of the season. And the Nationals are eight and nine. Pittsburgh is leading the, the Central. And everybody, you know, my even my thoughts were, I mean, a I, I, little uh, uh, spoiler alert here. I have the Yankees and the Cubs winning the World Series, and neither team is looking fantastic at this moment in time. And then Arizona's leading the West. I mean, are you surprised by any of these teams? Yes, I'm surprised that Washington isn't better yet. But I think they will be. I think they will find a way to get, you know, into the playoffs contending the Mets I'd love to believe that the Mets will continue doing what they're doing I, I hope would, not <laughs> here, here's what here's what I'm going to give you you gave me Yankees and um, Cubs Cubs I'm going to say Yankees Mets yeah let's have a read let's have a, a second round of the Yankees smacking them down but how fun would that be to have Yankees and Mets. That would be... Well, I lived it, brother, in New York. And I'll tell you, it was the best World Series I ever watched. I'll be honest. Because I hate the Mets with a passion. I mean, they're the Mets, Red Sox, if they both fell off the planet, I wouldn't even care. Honestly. <laughs> That's what baseball needs, though, don't you think? Is some super intriguing storyline to kind of breathe life they back need, They need Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Cubs... You know these teams need to be in the World Series. I think. I think those are the those teams. I mean, no, who wants to see the Royals and the Royals and uh, you know Atlanta? No one wants to see that stuff. I mean, you want to nope. see these the big time players playing in the big time games. I mean, Houston, they're a great team. Are they? You know, they're not huge. I just they they did it the right way and they got themselves. They got really bad and worked themselves back up to good. They traded away all the veterans and brought in the youth and i think that's kind of where we're seeing teams go now i mean the yankees were doing it but it, i mean they had a special surprise last year but now the expectations are through the roof obviously i'm a yankee fan thinking they're going to go to a world series so yeah i mean baseball needs that they need to stop worrying about a, uh, a pitch count i mean a pitch clock uh robot re umpire they need to focus on what they have their product and what they produce and, uh, you know, the kids will come to it. I mean, baseball in general, you know, as a 
as a coach of baseball, there's less kids doing it. More kids are playing basketball. I mean, even like football, it's going down. You see the basketballs reaping the benefits of the, these two sports having their down their downfall. I mean, hockey's a you know it's a specialty per se, but basketball really is reaping the benefits of these football and baseball uh, dynasties, kind of like starting to like show cracks. Right. Well, you now know. let me ask you this though, and and let me see if you agree with this or not. I think. Just like wrestling, wrestling needs a bad guy and a good guy, right? Yeah. And the only reason why people watch is because either they want to see the good guy win or they want to see the bad guy get his butt kicked or both. Well, you know, you know let me say something before you go into that. You're So wrestling used to be the good guy, bad guy. I think it's still there a little bit. But now it's like good, bad guy. You know, they're like they're kind of combined. Yeah, they're hybrids. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think The Rock started that, by the way. Yeah, he's probably one of those guys, absolutely. Or Steve Austin, I think he was kind of that Steve. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, actually, the question in hand, though, is do you think that a sport like baseball kind of needs the same thing, where you need the Yankees because they are the evil empire. You need the Dallas Cowboys because people love to hate them. Yeah, they are the essential... Steve Austin's and the Rocks of baseball and football because they, the Cavaliers are that type of team, and in basketball. But yes, baseball hat, you know. Again, it's you either love the Yankees or hate the Yankees. You either love the Cowboys, hate the Cowboys. Same with like Notre Dame in college football. The same thing, you know. You either love them or you hate them, and they need they need those teams to really step up. I mean, even the Red Sox, I think, is a lot of. Uh, see, they used to be lovable just like the Cubs, but then they both won World Series, and now it's kind of like, all right, now they're turning into the Yankees. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, that, and I think that's what, you know, why do people tune in to watch the Dodgers and the Giants games? Because they're assured that there's probably going to be some ill feelings somewhere along the line within that game. The Yankees-Red Sox, people flock to that game because they know the two of them, there could be a scuffle, there could be somebody throwing at somebody. Yeah, there's, there's dirty feelings, it's going to be competitive. Uh, I think that's what, that's what people want. And I think baseball, for the most part, has become kind of so bland that some of these teams have become cookie-cutter. And even the uniforms. Even baseball uniforms, have you noticed that over the last 10 years, or, or maybe maybe a little longer now, maybe 15 years, there's no color and interesting uniforms anymore. You, you don't have... Remember the Philly baby blue and red? They were great uniforms. Or, you know, the White Sox had some wild uniforms throughout the years. The Padres were crying out loud. Brown and yellow. You don't have that anymore. Now you've got everybody's in the same. Half the time, you could line up teams and go, uh, what what is each team? And I probably wouldn't be able to tell them apart because the uniforms are so bland. Well, you still got the I, I'll never let the Yankees change the the pinstripes. Now it's no, no. I mean, yeah, but they're yeah. I used to love the Padres old jerseys, the oh, Milwaukee yeah. Brewers. Um, as hideous they, as they were, they were you know. Again, that's my childhood. That's my baseball. 
Yep. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Is still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, so we've gone through baseball, we've gone through football, uh, hockey, hockey, uh, hockey playoffs are going. I know uh, it's not. You know, not we watch some, we watch others. I think the most interesting thing in hockey, though, I do want to mention, is how well the the uh, expansion first year Vegas Golden Knights have come onto the scene and really taken control of hockey. Like they're they're the interesting story of hockey, I think, this year. Yeah, yeah. How about that? I mean, that that's never supposed to happen. It's supposed to be uh, you spend the first five years in the cellar and. And then hope you get up there. Absolutely. All right, Tom. We talked a lot of sports today. Yes, we did. It we was did. it was actually fun to just sort of uh, pick things out of the current event bucket. I think we should do that once. Yes. So next week, we're going to prepare for the draft. Who are our favorite players? Who should go where? Uh, kind of like a mock draft kind of thing. Um, but just kind of talk about a what our team should be doing, as well as what we're going to see in this quarterback mecca. I mean, there's, what, six or seven quarterbacks that could go in the first round pretty easily, and probably four in the top six. Yeah, it depends on what day it is. If you follow some of these uh, websites that talk about, here's your mock draft for today, they change every day. Right. And, and you know, well, you know, assuming this trade from this, and, I, you know, I don't put much stock in any of that because I think when it comes down to it, three things will happen on draft night that'll turn all that stuff upside down. I do think it's going to be um, four out of the top five will be quarterbacks and the other one will be Barkley. Barkley. And you hope that he, because you, you love Penn State so much, he comes to the Cowboys. He, well, <laughs> we certainly don't need him. We, we do need a wide receiver. We better be looking uh, most of the drafts either – wide receiver or somebody that would replace Anthony Hitchens at linebacker because Sean Lee is now 73 years old. And Does he ever uh, stay on the field too? I mean, that's another question for you. <laughs> that's a question for tomorrow, for the next week. <laughs> I, I do like Sean Lee. I, I love when he's out there. He's one of those guys where if he's not out there, it's sort of like losing a quarterback on the defense. But unfortunately, he plays so reckless abandon that he can't stay healthy it, it's like a it's it's a double-edged sword he's out there playing you know to the wall every single play but unfortunately he just he tears apart because he does that every single play <laughs> yeah well we'll we'll talk more about it uh next time on our show um so i promised a musical top five so I know we talk sports, but we kind of want to mix it up here on uh, Running Up the Score. And our top five this week is the top five songs you sing in the shower. Oh, gosh. And I know Tom loves singing. Well, he takes a bath, he said. So the top five songs he sings in the bath. And Rubber Ducky is not a song. <laughs> oh, well, there goes my number five. <laughs> so I'll start us off with, uh, with uh, a song, our top five. Uh, so... My number five song is a song that everybody loves, everybody can sing to, everybody loves. Like a Virgin, Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) I love love that song. I love Madonna. I mean, Madonna in the 80s is my wheelhouse, you know. So, uh, yes, I love Madonna and I like a Virgin. (laughs) 
What about you? Number five. Number five. Uh, I like Jump by Van Halen. Oh, oh, I see. So, okay, yes, that's a great song. I am not of. I love Van Halen, but I love Van Hagar instead of Van Halen. <laughs> Ooh, we could make a show out of that. Yeah, Sammy Hagar is one of my favorite singers of all time, just for the record. Hey, but I don't sing it. any Van Halen songs in the in the shower. Uh, so number f- number four for me, uh, and another lovely song, and people are going to start questioning me <laughs> as we go along here, is Holla Back Girl by Gwen <laughs> Stefani. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. I'm strange. I can't help it, but it's. I is love- it Miami? Is the Miami Sound Machine going to be number three? <laughs> no, I don't listen to any of this. <laughs> uh, so, what about you, number four? I just have a feeling that Adele might be coming up on your list. Um, I don't see anything sad. I can tell you that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a big Phil Collins fan. I hope that at some point he gets out of touring in South America and Europe and comes to the U.S. to do one more. Uh, so I would like to say Susu Susu Studio <laughs> is a great song for the shower. Uh, that's definitely a good song for the shower. That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with my great theme here. Uh, now, uh, actually, number three is uh, is a good a great song. It's in one of my favorite movies too, Secrets of My Success, uh, Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. I almost had that one, by the way. <laughs> That's a great song. That's a great song. Every, every time I hear it, I start to dance. And then, you know, that's the thing. Like, I, I've i been doing now, like, in the morning. So I'm uh, in, going into the shower. I have my phone now with all my uh, greatest hits, like Holla Back Girl. And uh, I'm, singing, <laughs> I'm singing along with it. <laughs> oh, Holla Back Girl. Uh, all right. So you're number three, pal. You know, by the way, I remember back in the 80s, songs like that Katrina and the Wave song, uh, they would always set those to to sports highlights. You remember when they used to do that mm-hmm. a lot? That was one of them that they would do a lot. Like they would show slam dunks and things like that. And they would use that song. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's neat. Um, I, I got to go with my Sharona. My, 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 my Sharona. Yeah. That's, that's a great rock and roll song, no matter what era you're in and where you're at. All right. Yeah. That's definitely a great song. Um, my second, my second, no, my number two, I should say, is uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go. go. <laughs> By I'm way. really questioning your man card. Needs the, uh, <laughs> it's mail. definitely on its way out. <laughs> it's being torn up as we speak. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, my number two, I'll tell you, I had trouble with one and two. Again, I always seem to. I went back and forth, but I'm going to say Bohemian Rhapsody is my number two. That's a great song. Yeah, I, I, I like that song as well. I mean, listen, Freddie Mercury, probably one of the best singers on the planet ever. Um, that song, and he's got so many you know, so many songs by Queen. Uh, I can definitely see see that one. Now, I haven't gotten that to that. Uh, I'm not to that classic at this point in time. But uh, number one. Well, speaking of Queen. Queen, what is your number one? My number one, speaking of Queen, is I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. No, stop. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Oh. <laughs> you have to leave me in charge of these top fives from now on. Oh, these are fun. My, it was tied with, uh, I had a, another one there. It was uh, Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. <laughs> 
Uh, I was thinking about Baby Got Back. (laughs) Well, you know, I I do sing that one every once in a while. (laughs) Now, on a Katy Perry note, she was the, you know, I I enjoy watching um, uh, the, the, uh, oh gosh, the college football game day before college football on Saturdays. Yeah. And I remember one Saturday, Katy Perry did the picks. And I could not, if I could have somehow figured out how to choke myself as she was doing that, I probably would have. She was the biggest ham and obnoxious and, oh. So you think, you know, like on Howard Stern, they uh, they have the the monkey and the chicken pick the, the, the games. You think she was worse or better? <laughs> I think she was worse. She had no idea. <laughs> she had no, I mean, she was just all over the place and. Oh, that was terrible. Um, so that wraps number, up a great top five. <laughs> my number one, my number one, listen, is there? there's only one man, okay? Just like there's only one true legend of, of singing, and and I, I think of no one else other than Frank Sinatra. I was just about to say Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Frank loved his Jack Daniels, as I do. Frank loved a cigar, uh, so he did it his way. So when I'm in the shower, I do it my way. <laughs> I don't want to know what you do in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what way you do it. I don't want to know about it. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> Number one song is I did it my way. All right, guys. So now you've heard our how crazy we are and how much of a woman I am. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah, I learned a lot about you. You learned a lot about today: sports, me, uh, crazy songs in the shower. So next time, uh, get ready for our draft uh, preview plus some other uh, sports of the of the week. Um, so make sure you check us out on brothersinarmchairs.com. Uh, you'll hear us, Tom and I, running up the score on on uh, stuff you don't need to know. You can find us on. Uh, Anchor. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Google Play. Uh, make sure you check out all the content on Brothers in Armchairs, uh, Nerd and Me, Fat Guys, um, Enter the Nerd Zone, as well as Defender of the Realm. And Tom, another great show. Thanks to me. Thank you. And you Thank helped. You. So it was good. Yeah. Um, and please, guys, don't make fun of me too much about my singing in the shower. All right, yeah. Tom. Ready to play ball? All right. Ready to go. All right, bud. Thanks. <laughs>